Listen up, squibs. You may find this podcast to be fucking explicit. Hey, welcome back. It is a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG. Episode number 31, if you can fucking believe it. I sure as shit can't. It seems weird to even think about. Uh, I am here today joined by my stand-in co-host. Ben Bailey. On, uh, on the very last second, man. We ben got Bailey. the one, the only, we got Jim Miller. My name is Ben Bailey. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, he is. I see you. I see you're dedicated to covering for him. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, that's that's that's. I a, don't that's, know who this Jim Miller is. That's wor- I'm that's Ben a, Bailey. Hi. That, that's worthy, man. That's worthy. Ben, uh, Jim's trying to pull your ass out of the fire. <laughs> He's trying so very very hard. And today uh, we are joined by a couple of guests, uh, some people who have long and deep histories in the Phoenix gaming scene, and who I think are going to have some interesting takes for you today. Uh, we got my good buddy, friend of the show, Richard. Hey, everybody! It's uh, good to be here again. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, you were on the you were on the uh, crit head app, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 you were complaining about crabs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> Have your crabs cleared up? <laughs> there we go. We're on these parts. We, we call they, him Richard the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately to my left, I am joined by a very special guest, uh, a member of uh, the internationally known Wrecking Crew and the podcast, The Reckoning Podcast. I got Daryl. What up? What's up? What's up? All right. So, gentlemen. It's like some sort of weird mafia meeting. It's like we have two <laughs> titans of Phoenix podcasting in one room. Oh. <laughs> well, some guy who runs a gaming event and another guy who's running a gaming happy hour. I'm, ve- I'm, I'm always very happy when I have a member of the Wrecking Crew in my vicinity because the the Wrecking Crew has a long and illustrious history. You guys go back a long way. You know, you've definitely made your mark on the world of darkness, and uh, you've contributed a lot to the to the Phoenix scene, to the national scene. So, of course, it's always a privilege to have have one of you guys on. And, and I listened to podcast The Reckoning, and um, Daryl, I was looking forward to your input, man. Fantastic! I, I appreciate you saying so. So that's another podcast that I'm slowly starting to yell at my radio for. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's a great podcast. Yeah. We do a lot of great things. Uh, if you need anything to uh, listen to for about two seconds at a time, just listen to our intros. They're always amusing. Yeah. We work hard for those. <laughs> you work hard for that spontaneity. Dude, we, we record for at least a half hour warming up just until we hit that gem of a good warm up. Ah, so interesting. So that's not sp- not as spontaneous as it looks. It's uh, it's always interesting hearing other people's processes for the, for the podcast. Yeah. You know. Especially since there's like what, like forty seven of you guys on at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore, not anymore. We're down to we're down to like three or four per episode. I mean, I, I missed you on this last episode, but the popping sound that they were making was particularly interesting. You I don't know if you've listened to oh, it yet, but no, I it, didn't it, <laughs> I did a quick listen through just to see what they were talking about so I don't miss anything again, but uh yeah, I'll have to listen for that. There's so there's some popping of the peas. No, it's more of a 
biological popping. Oh they no! Were, oh they great! Were, they were, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't listened to that episode yet, and I thanks. And that's something to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. It's just no, it's really I, putting your. Yeah, I really <laughs> want to hear some biological here. popping. Okay, um, everybody, skip the last episode. <laughs> Go to the one before. That's the uh, narrative control one. Narrative control. Yeah, I figured you would really get into that, Jim. I was yeah. yelling. I was like, God damn it! That was a, that, that was yeah, because because yeah, Josh had up. Josh had some interesting. They were they were man. They were Josh hardcore, was giving you a hard time about the narrative control. Well, they, so so that's that's kind of our, our, our thing around there is that uh, as the the new BGM and as the dirty hippie gamer, they give me a lot of crap for that. Yeah, do they really do? I don't understand what, yeah. what what's dirty hippie about anything. I don't, I don't understand well, that. So that. I mean, we're we're talking some old school gamers. I mean, Josh and Adam and uh, uh, Dave are all grew up in the Dungeons and Dragons. They've been doing this a lot longer than I have. So they're they're more hardcore into the uh, traditional games, whereas I show up with a three-page rule book and, and a loose idea of what we might actually try. And they, they actually uh, refuse to play some of the games I've brought. So. Are you kidding? Really? Yeah. So oh. I've actually considered like oh. making like a little like five-minute snippet that I'm just going to send to every podcast as like my rebuttal to whatever you're talking about. <laughs> right. They, they love audio. When you send people audio, they I'm, love Yeah, that. I'm going to do that. that. I'm just going to just like – it's going to be like very Lewis Black where I'm just – Cussing up a storm. That's the sign of a good podcast is that you you want to jump into it. Like when it I when I first started listening to Darker Days Radio, that's how I always looked at it. Like I was just sitting there with my friends and I wanted to there were times I'd be like, Oh, you guys don't get it. You just don't get this you don't get that book, man. You don't even understand. You know, but um they're very they're really smart guys and that's a that's a really top shelf. You podcast can just do what also. I do and just fucking like I am the guy who runs a podcast and bitch at him. You could do that. Because that's what I do to Brendan all day long. Like every week he gets some fucking rant yeah. from me. Yeah, thank thank God for that too, because it helps get me through my work day. You know, I mean if if there's like a single solitary minute where I'm not thinking about games, then I start to sort of like unravel and is is a person. I start to discorporate. It's fucking terrible. Um so what are we what are we looking at, guys? Okay, what what are we playing? Who's playing what? Jim, let's start with you, man. What you got? Nothing. I'm not playing anything right Fuck now. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get some stuff together. Fuck, so, man. So, Come on, dude. You're I supposed know. to be covering for my mm-hmm. like lack of doing anything. I know. It's, it's well, hard. I might have I might have you covered. So, okay, yeah. good, good. Uh, although, uh, my girlfriend, uh, Crystal, uh, what was it, Sunday or something, she was talking about, she was like, I, I think I really want to run a game about, a, about geishas. I'm like, oh, that's fucking sweet. I was like, oh, World of Do. I was like, yeah. Ben's game. Ben's game is amazing. I was like, and then there's Fate. So I started talking about Fate Accelerated. Ben Warner. Let's, ben we'll, Warner, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. yeah. So local uh, legend Ben Warner. Yeah. Um, and he has a game called World of Do, which specifically is a Japanese noir uh, role-playing game. And it's it's a beautiful game. Like if you look at the book, it's gorgeous. And the rules are really amazing. It's a really good story game that he put together. But I started talking to her about Fate Accelerated. And I forgot how much I really loved Fate Accelerated. So, like it's such a great system. So, so being not in the mainstream, what is Fate Accelerated? I tried Fate at like midnight yeah. in a hotel room once, but yeah. what's, what's what's the what's the difference? So, between these, these uh, so if if you were to sort of put, you know, uh, on one end of the spectrum, you have like pure story games. You have stuff like Fiasco, right, which is you know just no GM, very little rules. You put sort of those games like The Final Girl and Fiasco and, and what was the one we played with the uh, Dying Memories? Dying Memories. Yeah, yeah, Dying Memories. So pure narrative games on one end of the spectrum. 
And then on the other side of the spectrum, we put like champions, right? Like the book that can literally stop a 357 <laughs> Magnum. There's a, I think there's a video online. Did I talk about that last time? Like there's a video where you can, they, somebody shot it with the fucking 357 Magnum and wouldn't penetrate. Now, were they doing that just to see if it would penetrate or were they just that angry at the Probably system? Probably both. Yeah. It was like scientific <laughs> anger. Why, why pick? All right. So those are the two spectrums, right? So you have like a, a, you know, or a game where you can die in character creation was a traveler. I think you can do that, right? So, so those are the two spectrums, right? You have the heavy crunch and then you have the pure story. Um, I've always said right in the middle that that sort of demilitarized zone sits fate core and then fate accelerated on one side. Fate core being that midway point that takes you into the crunch and then fate accelerated that takes you into the sort of uh, indie dirty hippie game that uh, that Daryl plays. Um, <laughs> and so uh, fate accelerated is a light version of the fate core rules. It's... Um, it's not even a light version. It's almost like a total reworking of the thing. They they took out a lot of they took out all the all the um, the uh, what do they call it? Um, not talents, but like feats and and skill lists yeah. and stuff like that. They took all that out, and now everything is just basically based on the approach that you take when you do something. So and your aspects. So you and your aspects. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. So you have you have uh, the approach that you take. So you can like. Um, what is it like? Uh, sneakily, you know, you know, sneak around someplace. And that determines what you roll. And then you also have aspects and um, what else do they call it? Uh, stunts. And these are basically just the scripters of your characters. And they narratively come into play when you have to do something. So, you know, if, if it just so happens that you're going to like jump onto a rail and swing across, you know, a chandelier, it's you can do that because in your character, one of your aspects is, you know, you're a rakish, you know, uh, uh, pirate or something like that mm-hmm. oh okay I yeah so it. so it's, so everything is really based on how you describe your character and what you do and the game is what i like about it is it doesn't have skill lists and things like that because i'm a big no skill list kind of guy i hate skill lists and um it lets you literally make almost any game you want within like just a few minutes um, you can take any idea you want and just start fleshing out the, the world that you're going to do in in a couple minutes and fate core does that as well, but it has, it's a little more structured. It has like a questionnaire that you fill out to, to create your world together. Um, but you can just, you know, it, fate Excel doesn't even have that. It's just sort of like, just take it and run. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. That so sounds- you, you end up with some really gonzo fucking games sometimes and it just, has works. anybody else played that here? Yeah, I, I have, uh, I played with my uh, friend Kirk. He ran a uh, game where basically we were all versions of the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Uh huh. So, uh, Wait, you like the kids? Well, every ki- every character was a kid that came back from Storyland. Oh, okay. So we were all adults who uh, basically came back from our version of what our perfect Storyland would be. So, oh, like, interesting. Oh, cool. So, like, I was uh, the uh, barbarian king of this uh, Rohan. Okay. And like, basically, I w- you know it was very Viking and very like. But now you were grown up. But now I, I had spent too much time. One of my aspects, one of my downsides was I spent too much time in the cubicle. So we had all been pulled back in. Uh-huh. But one of the things about uh, Fate Accelerated is that you uh, you you have to, if you trigger a downside, like you, you give yourself a negative or yeah. somebody can say, oh, you can get another Fate chip. So you get another Benny, basically, so you can help your role later on so you can kind of fail forward is kind of a base mechanic in there and so like there was one that was kind of based on the wizard of oz and it was really cool because i got to 
put like a thousand Viking warrior berserkers. So is this like a was this basically <laughs> almost like Hook kind of a thing? Like, yeah, that's sort of what I was thinking. It yeah, sounds, was like, sounds kind of like cool. a little a little like Hook, you know. And there was the ki- the kid that was inspired by anime, so he was like. A, <laughs> but so this was like you were growing up, and then you had to go back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so okay. We all escaped or been kicked out. Uh huh. And then we were all going back in, but we were all a party from different aspects of that. Oh, kind interesting. Of genre. Oh, wow. So, um. Did, did you do that as like a one-off or was that like an it ongoing was, campaign? It was actually an ongoing campaign, which is the first time I, I've only ever played it as one shots before that. So it was kind of interesting to see uh, how to like actually advance those characters. And it's a very kind of, you have to be like, Oh, well I did this this time. And that really moved my character forward. Like I finally feel like I've come out of my funk from living in the cubicle. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm going to get rid of that as my downside, I'm going to have another downside. Like yeah. I met my major enemy again and that's, he's that's screwing d- with me. It's very kind of powered by apocalypse-esque. Sort of. Yeah. Way. You really have to think narratively about your characters, like who they really are as, as characters, not as um, stats that you can min-max. Like you almost can't min-max that game at all. Yeah. That's what I really like about these new narrative games is there's none of this min-maxing shit where it's like people can kind of like scour the, 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 the matrix in this certain way and find these little combinations that then end up like creating strange, just like never intended uh, uh, out- outcomes inside of the game. Yeah. Well, it's really up to the game master to control that the runaway thing because with your aspects, so you have stats, you have your six stats from almost any, from D&D or right, whatever. Right. But every time you tap an aspect, you get like a plus two to your roll. And so you can only get plus four from your roll, and some of these rolls have to get like, you know, six, seven successes, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's up to the game master to say, well, you didn't give me enough for that aspect to work, basically. Or tell me more about this to get that aspect to work, to get the bonus. So there is some weird crunch to it. And I think that's why you said it was kind of in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. On your show, you guys were talking about how this can sometimes become distracting. Is that tr- I, I've never played a game like this. Is that true? Did you sometimes find that it like, pulls you out of the thing? Well, it's, it's a difference of whether you're... A strong role player or a strong role player? That role versus role again. Yeah, R-O-L-E yeah. versus R-O-L-L. If you're a uh, the type of person who's used to being in character and playing in character, I think you'll smoothly transition in a game like this. But if you're the kind of person who's trying to think on the terms of, oh, how do I do this really cool thing? And you're trying to, trying to uh, wedge it in or shoehorn it in based mm-hmm. on your aspects or your character descriptors, I think that would be a challenge for a certain type of player. Yeah, <laughs> a, cer- a certain type of player. Yeah, well, you know, there's players of all types. I, I GM at cons, and I have to be prepared for all of them. So. Yeah, yeah, that's something that you do a lot, isn't it? Yeah, Well, we'll get sure. to that in just a second. Uh, what about what about you, Richard? You've you been working on anything? Um, well, you- right now, I'm trying to get one more game of my Apocalypse World in, and it just, everybody is adulting in different times. It's Dude, is, very, very difficult. Is this the fucking thing right now? I mean, I just feel like it's fucking Apocalypse in Wonderland or something, because it's <laughs> like, I can't get a fucking game together to save my fucking life. I, I mean... Everybody's got shit to do. Everybody's got lives and kids and careers, and they want to blow off steam and get wasted or just whatever. But nobody has any time for gaming. It's not just me, though, right? No, no it, it's very. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 hard, and you know, in the Phoenix summer, getting people out of their houses. Oh my god! And heading into the Phoenix winter when everybody's out on you wants know, to be outside, out yeah. on the lake or. Yeah 
hiking, you know, it's 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 tough. Dude. I'm considered just like really just kind of trying to do online games. Like I'm, oh, I'm man, almost I don't online. Well, oh, it, dude, it hurts a little to do that. I don't want to like, do it, dude. I'm actually want, doing it's one right bad. now, actually, but I'm I'm actually in my friends from high school. Like I've been gaming with these guys since like the late nineties. And uh they we finally kind of reconnected again and we've been playing on roll 20 for probably two and a half years now, three. Yeah. How is it? It's pretty good. Like we all kind of, you know, we are either college friends or from high school friends. We all kind of know each other. And, uh, so we're actually playing second edition D and D. Wow. <laughs> <Beautiful. Nice. laughs> and- forever. So they, they actually started this in college and they reactivated this after Pathfinder. So everybody got sick of Pathfinder and said, hey, we want to play this game we were playing in college. No shit. Seriously? Seriously. Oh, my God. That so, is crazy. So I never played in that game because I didn't go to college with these guys. So my character is a complete, like, aside to their, like... Did they start story. you off at, like, level 1 and everybody else is, like, level 14? No, they, they, they were actually level... <laughs> they're, like, level 6 or 7. So uh, I got to start at level 6, which... You know, thankfully, I would have. It would have been like just being like dungeon, uh, dungeon crawl classics. I would just have yeah. a stack of character <laughs> sheets for, um, uh, and it's really cool because I've. I, I really, you know, for some reason, I was really into barbarians this year, and like I, I really, I came up with this weird magic item where basically I capture a demon in my axe and it turned it into crystal, and like it sucks blood out of the my enemies and like i don't know that it's trying to take me over but my willpower is battling it back and forth and stuff like that so and then and this worked pretty well getting into their game you were able yeah, to integrate yeah, that character easily. i kind of like i kind of came in at the side of it of one and then kind of uh, was kind of a a lackey for a while and then it turns out i was actually from the town that they were all supposed to be from uh-huh so the the town kind of rebelled and then my character got captured and sent to slavers in a, in another part of the country. So like, um, uh, so basically, I kind of came back around, and now I'm part of the rebellion. We're about to finish the rebellion to kick the power out of their home uh, country or whatever. And we're we've basically we're going to launch that next game, and that's going to be no. Crazy. It's, it's is cool. it kind of cold feel like my my big thing is is like I, I think that playing online would be very like sort of a cold experience. Yeah, right? like, do you use video? Uh, chat? Like what's what's the downsides and what's the plus sides? Well, the the downside, of course, is you're right. It is a little cold, but we've been playing for a long time where we know each other pretty well, so we can kind of tell by the way we're talking. Our voices. So there's no video then. Well, one of the, we were trying to do video, but there were some technical difficulties with one person in particular, and mm. I think it was also mental difficulties because he didn't want to do it. So let's hope he's not listening. Yeah, to the so if you're listening oh, no, now, I'm, we totally, just I'm totally going to post got some mental slack. difficulties. This is totally going to go on my Slack you're for like, this. You're this game. burning, burning him down. Oh, he he knows who he is. You know <laughs> who the fuck you are. Did you hear and that? We dude, all know who he is. Well, turn I'm the fucking camera name, on. But. Um, but the upside is, is while I'm not always on screen, like I can be like drawing like stuff on the board. Mm-hmm. So like, you know how, one of the things that I like to do is I like to just kind of doodle a while sure. I'm listening to things. Absolutely. I mean, 
I'm not as good as you get, you know, you are, but like the oh. yeah. Shout I, out to all this amazing art yeah, on the no, I, I am no just kidding, like right? this is one panel after another. Oh, thanks, man. Makes for great podcasting. Discuss the uh, awesome artwork on <laughs> Just imagine a dark glare with lots of cool. Uh, <laughs> there are like vellum scrolls. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I can then because I can then put a shape to something because it's kind of hard to draw with these tools. So it makes it because the GMs aren't very good with them. I can kind of shape the world in my own way by drawing something that they're talking about. Interesting. So I like it that way, but it's also it takes care of all the you know the kind of extra uh, not math and all that stuff. So like any kind you know it, you can program Thacko in to roll. Oh, 20. that's pretty nice. Oh, you're playing. On, okay, yeah. what a time to be alive. <laughs> Yeah no, yeah, no shit, well, right? I mean, you just have to subtract. Like that's so yeah, hard, right? But uh, as a GM, can you program in the hit dice on the yes. on the monsters, and then it just creates the monsters for you? Right. You can just say you oh, can create Jesus. one monster and then throw it out there, and then you can actually just put put minus eight to their hit points, and their bar goes down. So it's kind of like oh, they've got can, bars. You can you can take turn that on and off. You oh, can, okay. You can see I was it or, like, that sounds a little video gamey for me. But you don't have to have that up there. Yeah. So, like, we've even played, like, drama system with it. So, like, where that's totally narrative-based. It literally is a diagram where you're moving once and needs across uh, a diagram to try and figure out who has the most uh, drama. Interesting. <laughs> um, but we're also doing uh, fifth edition, which is fantastic on there because they have apparently uh, – Watsy is like got it all pro- allowed them all to program all the spells in so all the lists of all descriptions of all the spells and oh, all the monsters and all that stuff is in their wiki so you can just go to a tab and it's already there and you can just like type in I want sleep what does sleep do and it's all like right there I don't have to like, get the book out right around, which I really enjoy I mean I'm right there with you with I'm gonna run something I want the hard copy yeah yeah I'm a hard copy guy um but it's also really easy to you know because we want to because we're friends and we want to have an excuse to talk and usually that's what usually happens is we have like hour and a half of bsing and then we'll play for four to six to eight hours and yeah. then dude you were doing an old school eight hours style. online that is yes. just crazy oh, man no. that is like high school days level gaming i, I just my body can take that really yeah i mean yeah, and well, we, I, I get i get i do standing and <laughs> sitting and i move around a tell me bit. you don't eat just like cheese sandwiches <laughs> no no i like have all I, we have a like a a dinner like 15 minutes where everybody goes you know <laughs> dinner pizza and doritos <laughs> and mountain dew you, you got scheduled meal breaks during meals. your online no, we, gaming we, we sessions. don't have scheduled meal breaks we just everybody's like oh my god i'm hungry all right i'm hungry too all right we'll just and then everybody and all, separately orders their pizza yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty much they're all on the east coast so if you were to see the video it's just Jesus. a bunch of like guys by themselves <laughs> eating pizza <laughs> in the dark room. oh man good I thing i feel you're that's right. moving no backwards video. on the uh, no video no video um dara what you got man what you been up to oh uh, shoot, I've been doing so much lately. Um, I have an online group also. We've been playing via Skype with video. Let me tell you, it's fantastic. I love playing with video. Yeah. As long as your video feeds are working. Okay. Uh, we were playing Dying Memories, and uh, I had a lot of facial expressions, and uh, yeah. I did not realize until just about the end of the game that my camera wasn't working <laughs> so we we had gone through in the beginning and i'm like oh i can't get my camera working and they're like oh that's okay so i'm watching everybody else and i'm doing these wild and crazy facial expressions to show my character's descent into madness uh-huh. and uh they couldn't see any of it so 
it kind of stunk. But yeah. uh, usually online with the group is good. I don't have the cold issue. We we're a, I actually have more fun with the guys online than I generally do playing anywhere else because in your local group, if you've got like 10 people that you game with, sure, there's there's probably six that you really, really like to game with, and there's a few that meh. You know, let's be honest. It's not uh, yeah, not okay. everybody you know, you is your what? best buddy. You're right. You're right. Cards on the table. It's true. It's so, true. There's always the kind of like the guys who are rounding out the party, you know? Exactly. So the advantage to I'm doing right it online here, you is... Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> the advantage to doing it online is that you Notice can really we pick and choose you, who you're gaming with. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and so you can, you can decide, okay, well, it's just going to be us and we're going to have a good time. And uh, I have a great time with my online group. Nice. Uh, we've nice. actually encouraged a new gm to step up she's going to be coming out to game fair so wonderful hopefully she'll oh, have a good time she's gonna be running dungeon world for us in a couple of weeks Ooh. that's very exciting nice. so more apocalypse world that's very exciting wonderful wonderful but uh, <coughs> other than that malifo has a worldwide event going on for miniatures gaming so we've oh, been having man. fun doing that yeah the, can't talk about that in front of London. yeah He's i know got a problem i really do <laughs> i do dude oh I, my age of sigmar addiction is like is bad but i've actually been weaning myself off of age of sigmar I've been chilling out and i've been doing a little bit more um infinity it turns out he could pay bills now so. i mean i'm literally <laughs> i'm literally sitting on an age of sigmar boxes right now so. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see what i'm up to uh you know my dungeon world game like it's really hard kind of getting it off the ground um, because of just scheduling issues it's, it's been very difficult to schedule uh, so we're still in holding pattern on that I think we're supposed to play this weekend upcoming and um, hell or high water I'm running some kind of fucking role playing game this weekend uh, it's just been too damn long um, I continue to kind of spin my wheels on a uh, Vampire the 2nd Edition game that I've been like slowly, incrementally writing for months now, on and off. Um, I've had some pretty good breakthroughs with that in terms of how I want to uh, portray the NPCs in the, in the city because I was thinking about the last time I ran Vampire the Masquerade, which has been fucking like, I don't know, 10 plus years at this point um, since I've done it. And I realized that my role-playing style for that game the the influences that I had in my descriptions and the way that I made the world work were based at that point very heavily just on Vampire the Masquerade Mm -hmm. you know I mean I started playing it when I was in my like early teens or something and uh, at the time when you discover those books they're so kind of radical and revolutionary I was like just soaking that shit up like a sponge and there I, I fell into that trap where I kind of like made it a religion, you know, like like Vampire the Masquerade is because Vampire the Masquerade is, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, at this point I've moved away from it and I have a lot more influences. I've become much more like steeped in, in uh, like the horror community. I've, I mean, I should have read a lot more books than, than back in the day. And I really started thinking to myself, like, how do I want to run this game and give it a unique voice? Because... I feel like when you look, especially at like the third edition of Masquerade, and then, and then some of the stuff that you've been seeing coming out subsequently, like for the MMO, and even some of the stuff that you see in the concept art for fifth edition, there's almost kind of like a recursiveness going on, where it's like these guys are now drinking out of the same well. They they're they're not creating a new voice, and Masquerade was very new. At the time, yeah, there's a lot of derivative stuff out there. Right? 
it's becoming so derivative. And I just, I don't, it was really killing me, the idea of running Vampire and have it just be another fucking Vampire game. So I started thinking, well, what are my, like, major influences here? And based kind of on what we were talking about, I was like, shit, man, I want this to be, like, a very, like, Clive Barker feel to it. I want to right. say, I'm, I'm, and so I really started meditating on like what it is about Clive Barker movies that I really like because he's directed a couple. I, I think I think the the big push is is um, is personal horror, like like the things that that make people fucked up. Like I think that's <laughs> well, that's really like that's all that's left, right? Because you have like vampires already done this. Call of Cthulhu has done like the cosmic horror. Vampire does this sort of um, very uh, romantic horror kind of thing. And there, there, and there's a couple of other games out there that, that really push like sort of the monster uh, bit. Right. And, and so there's not a lot of games that I can think of off the top of my head that really deal with like sort of personal horror, like those things that make people fucked up. And that's what I like about like Clive Barker shit, right? Like Clive Barker stuff is all about like that, that personal journey what 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 I what I really take from Clive Barker is the way everything that you read of his and then the when you watch how he translates that to film right. how everything feels ethereal right. and there is and there's a a strict dichotomy in his storytelling style between the world of the mundane and the world of the magical and when he's shooting the world of the magical it feels very different than when he's shooting the world of the mundane and I was like you know what I think I'm going to work with that for how I do elders versus how I do um, neonates like Hmm. I really want like I want neonates because they're more human I want everything that they do to feel very like hard edged and crisp and clear but then the, the more and more you interact with an elder Right. Whenever you're just in their presence, I want things to feel kind of more dreamlike and kind of like soft around the edges, like like kind of like when you're trying to remember a dream but you can't, because almost like the magic energy inside of their blood is like distorting reality around you, kind of like fraying it at the seams. You see what I'm saying? Can yeah, we, I dig that. I dig that a lot. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, my 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 the best Vampire the Masquerade game I was ever in. That was kind of what he did was mm. he had his when the elders showed up or you even if you didn't know what their status was, he would stop kind of describing the background, anything in the background. Mm. Like they would become the focus. Yeah. Because uh, like he would describe like the light and, you know, all the all that stuff. And actually, hilariously, I moved to Arizona that game was about a city that was supposed to be founded in Arizona. So Lol. Like, so, yeah, so <laughs> nice. that was kind of hilarious. It turns out it was that weird fundamentalist Mormon place. No, <laughs> it, well, it was called Salsilla. It was like Yeah, that too. <laughs> it was supposed to be like maybe where they were digging something up. Anyway, we never got to that mystery. So, <laughs> but yeah, like just like just letting the letting the focus kind of go away from whatever they're feeling to like the the idea of yeah. the edges being gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really a good idea, I think. But, but I mean that's one of the things I think where masquerade breaks down is when they start getting into like really, really crunchy, kind of numbers heavy, kind of like like when when those when those elder characters that are essentially kind of like should be quasi mythological, when when they become too real you know, and like, oh, I know what discipline levels he has. Oh, you right. know, then it, then 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 they they stop being like weirdly monstrous, and they start just being guys in action movies with katanas and shit. You know, that's um, that's actually something that that happened. There was a big 
it's a big thing for Call of Cthulhu games, right? Is is this whole idea of like, well, like these are Cthulhu monsters, but they have stat blocks, so you can kill yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's this guy who came out with a version. It actually influenced um, the Lovecraft game that I did. But there's a guy who did a game called Cthulhu Dark. And Cthulhu Dark is basically um, don't fight a monster. It'll mm-hmm. kill you, period. Right. And that's it. You just don't. And so I, I incorporated that in, into my game as well. That the idea that like these cosmic horrors, you, you're going to die if you try and directly sit there and just set them on fire. Because every Call of Cthulhu game, it's funny because I've run Call of Cthulhu since 99 or so. And I've run it in three different states. And in three different states, people come up with the same solution usually. Set it on fire. Set it on fire. fire. Yeah. Fire. Kind of like those crabs. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I want to just find some way around that. And I guess other people have been thinking about that too. And, and the whole, I think the whole solution is they don't have stat blocks. They don't have any stats whatsoever. They're just yeah. cosmic or or in I this like case, that. you know, they're the elders. So they're just almost untouchable. Like you, you no matter how powerful you are, you're not going to sit there and just throw blows at somebody. One of the things that I was talking to my girlfriend about, um, uh, the vampire uh, book, the Anne Rice books, mm-hmm. like that, I hated Memnock the Devil because it ends up with a fist fight, like, right? Like, mm. it's, it's, it's Lestat punching the devil. Like, that's that's how that book sort of ends, right? And I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's yeah. so stupid. And I think that, I think a lot of people are getting to that, slowly coming to that point that some characters shouldn't have stat blocks. No, I mean, there's the, the, there's a whole movement afoot in the OSR community of creating monster manuals that, that don't have stat blocks in them. Like uh, uh, Fire on the Velvet Horizon by uh, Patrick Stewart, spelt differently than the, mm-hmm. than the actor, and uh, Scrap Princess is considered to be like this, this incredibly out there, edge-pushing uh, book. You can get it on Lulu, I think, which mm-hmm. is you know, print-on-demand. So you don't have to hunt up one of those uh, noble knight like one hundred dollar ones. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. You can you can get print on demand, but um, there's no stat blocks, and the art isn't this like super clean like video game designer art that you see coming out of the Watsi right. stuff. Oh. It's like it's like scribbles. It's like scribbles. The idea is is to like. What's the what's the idea? Like get get to into the idea. Sort of, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 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 go into this mess and then pull something out of it. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. I like uh, that. I I've heard cool. I've heard that there people get great results with. You could it. do a whole episode on how much I hate fucking art for <coughs> Watsi. Like, <you> know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the back to the back to your masquerade game, uh, like that was the other thing he would do is the elders didn't necessarily use any of the powers from the book. Mm, ever, yeah, yeah. Ever like. Because they've been around for 500 to 1,000 years, so maybe they've come up with a few tricks of their own. So, like, the more you, like, the more you basically ignore or know, you know, you can say, oh, well, that's a thing that this clan can do, then that gives them a stat, right? Right, so right. You, like, yeah, I mean, I, I just, uh, I've been moving away from a very literal kind of, like, um, interpretation of Vampire the Masquerade for a while now, but I think that I'm finally, because things have just changed in the gaming community. Ten years ago, my players wouldn't have taken it. They were very, very material-oriented, very, very tactical gamers. And canon. Everything had to be in canon. Canon, yeah. Now we're moving into... We, we are in new territory, friends. We're, we're, I feel like we're going back to where it all began, but like somehow it's also new at the same time. Um, the other thing I've been doing is in, I've been going bonkers for Shadowrun books. So so here I am t- I'm nice. talking about fucking narrative gaming and then I've been I've been buying one of the most like technically oriented systems up. Like my um, 17 pounds of D6s yeah, come in like, next week. I I uh I have this um aversion to the 5th edition core rules and so I uh have been 
picking up all this fourth edition crap on eBay. And I swear to God, man, I like, dude, so many fucking Shadowrun books. So many. I, I don't know what it is, but like, I've just got this Shadowrun taste in my mouth. I just can't get enough of the it. An- the, that Shadowrun Anarchy sounds really interesting. Oh, oh Jesus dude. Christ. Let's dude, talk about that. No, but An- Shadowrun, I've tried it multiple times and never. I'm a big cyberpunk person. Yeah. I would have talked to Ben about cyberpunk for probably two hours and you wouldn't have to say anything. But like, <laughs> uh, that just the fact that you have narrative control because Shadowrun is so so much continuity, and then the game masters that are really into it are really into the continuity, yeah. right? <laughs> so, yeah. so just to kind of clarify for those who might not know, what we're talking about uh, there's a new version of Shadowrun called Shadowrun Anarchy, and it's it's not using the same rule systems that Shadowrun uses. It uses a system called the uh, I think it's called the Q system, and it's the same system that a game called uh, Cosmic Patrol runs off of, um, which I love. Um, and uh, it's it's a really great rules light narrative system, and although Shadowrun isn't really my thing, like I, I like more cyberpunk kind of stuff. But like just the fact that this game uses it, I'm like fuck, I want to buy a book. And I just found that they're selling the book now. So. Well, I mean they're selling the PDF, right? No, the book is is you can buy the book. It's like it's like thirty or forty bucks. On Anarchy, it's out. Yeah, I thought it wasn't coming out until the twenty third. Nope, it's out right now. You oh shit! Yeah. Well, I gotta no, have no. one. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of uh, Shadowrun podcasts and. Um, What's what's the take like from those shadow? Like, what is the community like? For me, I like story <laughs> games. I like I like light narrative. Dude, it, the, the are people just rebelling after? No, the no. The take and- is unbelievably um, enthusiastic because, believe it or not, there are apparently scads and scads of uh, Shadowrun gamers out there who are sick to death of being like up to their chin and crunch, and they just want to play fucking Shadowrun without like you know cross referencing a ten thousand rule books, you know. So so like. Like well-respected people in the Shadowrun community are freaking Good. out. It's a, I have I, fucking said this. I've said this for so long. I've told you this. Like, like everything that that you love about role-playing games, you get to do in a story game. Like that's the beauty and this, that's the saving grace of of story games. Is that these rules-like games let you play the game that you want to play for the reasons that you originally fell in love with it, but in a totally different way. Right? Yeah. yeah. Very well said. So, I mean, um, I don't want to belabor the anarchy point too much, but um, what I will what I will say is what I've heard is that they managed to make it still feel like Shadowrun. Like yeah. they, they they took they took those elements of the Shadowrun character sheet and distilled them down into the, like their most base elemental forms, and they're still in there. So so playing it doesn't feel like you're playing Fate with the Shadowrun skin. Right. It feels like you're playing Shadowrun, just very rules like Shadowrun. So that segues pretty well into the, like, what are we waiting for segment that we like to do here. Hey, I, I'm fucking burning up to get my hands on, on Anarchy. What, what's everybody else here tracking? Daryl, what you got, man? What's on your, um, what's on your uh, radar? Back to the Apocalypse world. I just saw Monster Hearts 2. Oh, what is, on is Kickstarter. that? They just so, what is, tell me, yeah. what is that? Is Monster Hearts, edition? you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a new edition. Um, I'm not sure what the differences are. I kind of skimmed through it earlier today just to kind of see. I've been Monster Hearts curious for a while, but it's a game that I don't have a group that's willing to play. They're just not ready mm. to delve into the... I'm right uh, here, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mo- most of the people around me aren't willing to delve into the the style of body horror or the level of role-playing that it requires or... Uh, basically it comes down to this quick factor of trying to seduce each other at the table you know it's it's what we've been trained not to do so long for so long that is that is hard so that is hard i was i was talking with uh, ben mandal about monster hearts and and i'd like to play with him i think he would it's, be a great gm for I that i ran but, one game of it so far and yeah. it's it's pretty fucking awesome because there are there's rules in there for combat but when you take away combat from a game 
for the most part as, as one of the defining factors of the game, um, you really start exploring um, all the little drama moments. So like, like one of the big things of tension that I had was a date. I ran one of the games and one of the little side stories because it was like the, the party split up, of course. Um, but one of the little side stories was a date that one of the players went on with this really creepy waiter guy who worked in the restaurant that he worked in, that they all worked in. And so like that tension of what the, how this date was going was really like the fun part of it, like that sort of back and forth give and take that was happening mechanically in the game and, and, and just by using the Apocalypse World Engine rules was fucking amazing. And And like I said, once you take away that that bit of combat being the focus, um, you really delve deep into some games. The, one of the things I like about, about Monster Hunter is that people, freaks people out is the whole, yeah, seducing other people. But it's also that idea, because you're supposed to be, so I, the one thing I don't like about Monster Hearts is you're playing teenagers, and that's weird to me. Like, I don't yeah, want to do why that. Yeah, why is everybody teenagers? Uh, I, I changed you? it. I said mine were all, like, uh, college kids. They're all, like, young adult well, why, does it, well, why can't this be anybody? Well, I think I the designer, understand. the designer, at least I was reading the I was reading the page today, and the designer really stresses in it, in their writing that it's really about uh, queer teenagers. Oh. So that's really what that, that's what he, they said. So I'm not, so that's, I think it's, it's supposed to be about, you know, uh, monsters having this, like trying to hold themselves back. It's, it's the vampire, the masquerade it's, it's, thing, you know, it's, it's kind of like X-Men. It's like, it's, it's a, it's a metaphor for, yeah, for yeah, being the, an outsider. Being you, right, right, so right. you're like tripling the amount of testosterone right, or the estrogen you're dealing with. You know, and the, okay. the, the feeling I got from it also, and maybe Jim, you can confirm this is if you run it as a teenager game. Uh, you're amping up the body horror aspect of it because as teenagers, we're already oh, awkward. We're already yeah. going through puberty. Our bodies are physically changing. Now you add on the fact, oh shit, you're a vampire. Yeah. So what's that like? I mean, now you're also th- you're going through two changes at the same time and dealing with all the angst and all the social pressure. I think running it in the teenage fashion or even you know adolescent juvenile fashion. Uh, I, I run. I ran a World of Darkness game two ways, uh, a straight up mortal game where. Uh, supernatural events are happening in the city and I ran it one way with adults and runway with children and when the players played children they had to approach the situation very differently from the way they approach it as an adult so I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily shy away from running a teenager game because the solutions uh, change so dramatically. It's, maybe, it's, was it's, I just that fucked up of a teenager that the, like there was like it, maybe like I just like that's the whole thing man like just running like because because you really start because sexuality is a really big part of that game. And yes. one of the things that one of the defining things of, of monster hearts is that, um, your, your character doesn't have control over who they're turned on by. Right. Um, which is the queer part of it. Right. And like, which I get, like I get the metaphor, I get the whole thing for it. And I think that's pretty cool. But, uh, but at the same time, like telling stories about like, you know, 14-year-old kids fucking each other doesn't seem like a really... You'd have to have a very mature group with a very clear understanding of what lines don't get crossed. I I think what you were talking about earlier with the the one story with an adult group and a children group, Mm -hmm. I mean, that reminds me very much of kind of what I was... um, When I was watching Stranger Things this summer, Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of that stuff from the 80s where there was... You saw in Spielberg and in Stephen King where there's sort of like 
the the world, the magical world of children, and then the the banal world of adults, you know, and how these two worlds have to intersect when something fantastical happens, right? You know, and I think that that's incredibly compelling, incredibly. Yeah. Well, and then you add in the layer where adults have all the power, but they don't necessarily have the belief or the ability like, to make their minds elastic enough to solve the problem. Exactly. Whereas yeah. kids have infinite energy and infinite belief, but they don't have the power. So. Yes, yes. And Except then it, for there is a sex move that is an integral part of the game. Like yeah. a big part of the game is a sex move. Like, right. You, like your character is so, going to be fucking other characters. I, in, in any given game system, if you've got a sex scene going on, it's entirely up to you whether you want to narrate that, which I think <laughs> is where the squick factor would come in, or whether you're like, okay, this is what's going to happen. We're going to make it a part of the story, but we don't necessarily need to describe what happened. Oh, wait, right, and, and right. I also fucking hate teenagers, so, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> damn off kids. Off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I verified this with, like, friends who knew me when I was a teenager. Like, no, you've always had, even as a teenager, you've, you've always been just like this curmudgeon old man, even when you were 15. Richard, what's coming up, man? What you got? Uh, what's on your radar? Well, I bet. Did, did you back Kikanga? Uh, yes, I did back Kikanga. Wonderful. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very interested in... Reading the fiction, yeah. Somebody, you were talking about the system. I yeah. haven't really got to read much of that. There's a blog post that kind of goes, but it's uh, as if all of African myth and lore used for a fan, swords and sorcery game. So that's it's called Swords and Soul game. I yeah, think is what it's yeah. tagged as, and that's really interesting to me because, like, as much as I like D and D and some other things, like I kind of hate Tolkien. In a, in a really weird way, like <laughs> I think what they, what they describe it, I described it to a friend. Uh, was it describing it to you? Like it's it's Mick, it's Mick, it's Mick Europe. Like most of the schemes well, are Mick Europe. <laughs> well, yeah, I see, I see exactly what you're saying. It's like this very very Anglo-centric yeah. view of of mythology and right. of, and of history in a certain sense. And and you know, Tolkien has been used for everything, right? Everything has elves and dwarves and and orcs and and like sure. all the things from Tolkien. And one of the things I like the idea of like Dungeon Call Classics and some of these other games is just getting away from that same fantasy tropes of the elves hate the dwarves and the dwarves hate the elves. Okay, we get the same. Yeah. You know, you know, and everybody the, hates the, the drow. Reason. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty <laughs> of people who are writing like like weird monster manuals and like strange. Oh, here's like a strange country that you can like drag and drop into your fantasy campaign where like orcs are like really smart guys who go on adventures to c- collect lore and shit like that. But like Kikanga, poets in my land. Yeah, no, seriously, <laughs> yeah. this stuff's all over the place right now. But like Kikanga is so interesting because they're like, oh, we're just gonna make this like as Afrocentric as fuck. Like, right. I mean, and and. Uh, as 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 a as as a white dude gamer, you know, we're so used to everything being approached from this kind of like, oh yeah, well you know, it's a bunch of royal white dudes sitting around having having fun battles with their with their white dude friends, and all the elves are white and shit. So I think it'd be really interesting to see what oh, what yeah. an Afrocentric game really oh, looks yes, like, absolutely. you know. And I mean, I'm I'm I'd like I I I backed it as well. I'd like to see like when I sit down to play this game, like am I gonna play as like a as like a like an Afrocentric dude, or I think am I so. gonna, am I gonna play as a white dude in an Afrocentric world? You know, I mean, it'd be just the, these are questions that, that you need to check your pri- privilege. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> <laughs> I come here to own all the land. Fuck you. Well, I mean, it's, it's, these are questions that I've never had to deal with before. But like my 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 friends, my like black friends, my ethnic friends, this is something that they have to think about you know are they going to be like the one hispanic dude in middle earth or are they going to like essentially become become like aragorn dudes you know <laughs> and i think it's an interesting thought experiment 
for if if for no other reason. I, I'm I'm kind of having a spark of an idea for a game now called Social Justice Warrior. Oh <laughs> god, I think that's probably already been written yeah, several times probably. out there. The key mechanic is obnoxiously long. Like, <laughs> well, I'm I'm, I'm 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 a very like left liberal guy, like super super. I I don't I don't like liberal. I'm I'm super left. I'm super left, and I, I understand that there is a possibility that I have I I might have many like non left like listeners, but. I really don't care. No, I, I like yeah. the idea of, of like exploring other cultures. There's a guy who, um, uh, who in Mexico is making um, a very Mexican centric uh, role playing game. Um, I forget what it's called, but um, the the essential gist of it is it sort of takes place um, during or right after um, the conquistadors came to Mexico because Mexico was conquered by Spaniards, um, which is why I'm the <laughs> color that I am. Right, um, uh, I'm pasty white, sickly white. Um, <laughs> And my last name doesn't help any. But uh, so after the conquistadors came, uh, so the old Aztec gods like were not happy about this. And so they're fighting back against the Christian gods that the conquistadors are bringing to their lands. And so you play sort of, um, you know, one of these Aztec uh, deity type characters. So it's very sort of like, uh, uh, what's the World of Darkness game where you play like a kid of a, of a god? Scion. Scion, yeah. It's very Scion-esque, except you're all these sort of Aztec gods, you know, and, uh, and you're fighting angels and angels mm. are evil because they're, they're destroying your land and they're ripping your believers away from you and stuff like that. Totally awesome. Like again, taking that whole concept of taking a, a different culture that's totally different, like in, in terms of how you flip the script on, on the other, where the other becomes sort yeah. of the, the normal, yeah. like, like, what's like the a white guy, like a white guy in, in, in an African game. Like how, who, what is that like? Like, how does that? Yeah, exactly. When you're the other, yeah, it's kind of exactly, cool. exactly. What is there anything in particular that you're tracking, Jim? Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. No. No. Um. Uh. Mashed. Oh yeah. yeah. We're all Kickstarter whores, yeah, Kickstarter. aren't we? Oh, it's like yeah. what everybody's yeah. talking about Kickstarter. It's a problem. Uh, mashed. <laughs> Dude. I'm, I'm really looking forward to. It. I love Night Witches. Night Witches is another one of those um, really great part by the Apocalypse games where. But I mean, that's w- already out. That's like that's out. Yeah, right. Night Witches out. Yeah, go play Night Witches. It's it's actually it's it's the um, I think it's the game that every guy who plays role playing games needs to play. Um, oh, and, and I'm a social justice you warrior. Are. You need to play, I you need see to how it is. Jim the oh, feminist. Oh, yeah, yeah. My you, you, God. I, I would oh, like yeah. you to come over and run that uh, at, for a Guild of Gamers. It's event. weird, man, because you like you you have to think about like like when I started running that game, I was like, Jesus Christ, I have to run some pretty fucked up things because. Um, in, in Night Witches, uh, you play a Russian female pilot during World War II. So you were literally a second-class citizen um, right from the get-go. And then there's like all kinds of dangerous things that happen in the game because it's a lot of drama. So like uh, a lot of lesbian, little lesbian things start happening, uh, relationships. And those things are, are dangerous in that world because if you got caught by the Russians during, during that time period uh, for being gay, you get thrown in jail for like 40 years. So, like, if somebody sees two chicks making out, boom, 40 years, you're done. Like, it can go really bad for you. And so that tension of, like, not getting caught and doing these things. And it's really amazing because it makes you think about, like, how you – like, I had to think about how to constantly make the, the, the players – excuse me, second-class citizens, like, to not make them equal to men. And it was really interesting, like, when you have to play that way and you're like, wow, that's really fucked up. And it makes you think about a lot of things. See, I, I I usually shy away from playing female characters. So I, I I think I've maybe done it like once, twice in my entire gaming career. And um, and I, one of the reasons I shy away from it is because I've seen other people do it, 
in 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 ways that that just make me make me uncomfortable, and not in a like in a like oh, there's no girls at the gaming table kind of way, but like in a kind of like oh, that's just a caricature of a female, you right. know. Right. You know, yeah. like there's the like 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 if you watch Game of Thrones, I think that Brienne of Tarth is kind of an interesting character because she's so conflicted about like her identity, you know, right. and, and and like there's this there's this way that her outside doesn't match her inside, and that's um, that's frustrating for her in a lot of ways. Um, but then you, when you see most most dudes role play, either they're like sex pot chicks, or they're like essentially um, just dudes who. Um, Happy have boobs, yeah. you know, and it's just kind of like I, I don't know. I find it always frustrating, so I've always stayed away from it. Interesting, you know. I, I, I think it'd be interesting. I, I play Dirty World, another dirty hippie game, uh, and I've got a great idea for a. That's a noir game, right? Yes, yes, Detective Noir. It's it's based on the One Roll Engine, which is a fantastic gaming system. If you're not against the idea of social combat. Uh, it's it's a hot button topic. I hesitate to mention it. No, I love the idea. But uh, it's the the one roll engine does it the best I've seen out of anything. Uh, It really levels the playing field. But I want to do a game where everybody plays a dame. You know, there Mm. there are no men in the party, and I don't care what gender mix I have at the table. It'll just be different archetypes of dames. You've got the the sneaky, nasty uh gun in her purse name fatale, you've got yeah. the yeah the femme fatale style which is actually straight out of the book um you could have a, a bruiser chick and or an athletics chick or uh detective style so i and I, I shouldn't use the word chick i'm i'm realizing i'm using that way too much now but uh i think it'd be interesting to try and see how that might warp the players I mean, really, who perceptions of themselves plain women than four guys sitting in a room oh yeah together. for sure That's yeah well. i mean like it's this it's Going, uh, it's another thing I'm watching on Kickstarter right now is uh, Bluebeard's Bride. Which, oh, I saw oh, which that. Which is another yeah. Powered by the Apocalypse thing. So I, yeah. I'm kind of sick with Powered by the Apocalypse, and one of the reasons I didn't quite back it yet. Heretic! I know. Burn me later. I think it's kind of expensive. Uh, That's why I didn't back it. It's but kinda, it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting party. because everybody at the table is playing an aspect of this woman's psych uh, <laughs> mind. Yeah. And you go into Neat. these rooms and you're trying to. I discuss how this this aspect that's in control in this room deals with this idea because there's one room you can't open right and there's there's always this like temptation to go open that room so there's this weird like basically she marries this guy and it's a legend and basically he uh puts her in this house and she wonders what happened to his last wife. Yeah, and she the only thing is don't open that room. This is this is a, like a, a kind of dark uh, gothic uh, Cupid psyche kind of thing yeah. that's right. going yeah, on yeah. here. Um, I, I read it and I thought it was fascinating and I wanted to pledge it so bad, but it it's like fifty I thought, bucks. Or I thought something. it was like fifty or something. Yeah, it was it's fifty there. bucks. And I'm just for like the hard shit, cover, man. I think it was fifty, but it was like thirty something for the soft cover. Well, maybe I'll go back because I think I just dropped my um, my uh, Dungeon Degenerates pledge, so maybe I'll go back and put that in. Um, so, all right, at this point, we usually take a little <clears throat> a little break and then we'll come back and wrap this thing up. What do you guys think? Yeah. All right, I'll be back in a second, guys.
we are back. Thanks for sticking with us. Now we get to the second half of our show. We're just going to kind of do a little chit-chat here with uh, Daryl and Richard. I almost called you Rich, man. I don't know why. I have this I have this, this overwhelming desire to call you Rich. I don't know why. Uh, and Jim, and interestingly enough, all right, uh, Daryl and Richard are working on behalf of uh, the Arizona Game Fair, and they are putting together the, um, the uh, role-playing area, the role-playing contingent of the Arizona Game Fair. And uh, Jim is, of course, the the intellectual force behind uh, Arizona's own crit hit. So we got, like, a bunch of con guys here in the same room by by just complete coincidence. This was not intended by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, That's what I said. It's like a mafia meeting. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like the family. Except for where's the, where's the head? Where Where is Andrew Shot In Long? the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> Calling you out, Andrew. <laughs> Well, he's 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 the board game head. He is the board game head. He's the board game. He's the, he's the, he's board the mob boss for the, more, for the board games. So, um, what do you guys uh, want want to tell us about Arizona Game Fair? That's coming up. Uh, what January twenty first, twenty second? Is that yep. right? January twenty first, twenty second. It's going to be a nice Saturday, Sunday. January has some of the best weather Arizona has to offer, and we've got the uh, the Mesa Convention Center uh, ballroom. So we've got a great space. It's our own private little area, and. Uh, it's going to be a blast. Yeah, there's. It's going to be really interesting because we have, uh, you know, the ra- the round tables. We're going to have the uh, we're going to have a lot of I think interesting games uh, coming to it. And we got Ben Warmer's. Ben Warner has officially signed on, so he's going to be there. Yeah, and <laughs> he's so, our our first big spotlight guest. Yeah. Cool. So he missed a couple other things this year. He so did. We, he missed crit hit. Yeah. So we're hoping to have him back in good shape. He's this sickly. Year. The the Ben Warner is a very sickly child. Okay. He's not. He's a big stouty guy. That's why I'm giving right. him shit. I love yeah, ben. his picture. Looked like he was. No, no. Kid. I love Ben. I love Ben. <laughs> I know. Ben. Um, but yeah, I think we'll have some really interesting games coming up. And uh, Warlord Amanda, I've I've got her into running something. She. She kind of wasn't quite sure, but I got her. Coming. I think she. I think she plans on running Kuro. Oh, is, that's right, Kuro, because she was going to get Ben's uh, book for that. So yeah, that's that was, correct. That's correct. Did you guys see that? That I have put in my application. Oh, I guys, did see those too. I have. Yes. I have two applications in yeah, for games. You, uh, we really appreciate that. Well, 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 well I, I mean, keep in mind, I, I did. I did kind of. I, I don't know, kind of what what kind of feeling you guys are trying to go for for the role playing area, but I did propose two essentially like NC seventeen rated games. That's great. That's fine. Okay, that's great. fine. It's 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 an all it's a it's a it's a, a no holds barred match at this point. We're just trying to fill the hours. We have 138 total hours of gaming to fill. We've been getting a lot of good games submitted. Cool. And uh, from a lot of very interesting people. So we're gonna have a really good mix, I think, going on. Wonderful. I've got to submit mine too. I need to figure out what I'm gonna run. Yeah, yeah Jim. And, yeah, Jim. Please <laughs> I'm, I'm torn. I'm, I, see, I'm torn between running like stuff that is like tried and true. Like I run some Dungeon Crawl classics or some Dungeon World. Well, see, the, and then the ben- I'm like, ah, do I want to run like even more esoteric, weird stuff? Well, the, the benefit to this is I think we're going to get a lot of people who are game curious, who may not be the hardcore gamers. Right. So I think it's a good opportunity to whip out some oddball titles, some some softer stuff maybe, or even going like full over the edge weirdness. Right. Uh, nothing I think is going to go wrong here. I think we're going to get a good mix of people to come and play whatever you put down. Cool. Cool. And 
so with your NC-17, we've gotten in a lot of discussion about the X card. I yeah. I don't know if everybody knows about what the X card is. Oh, trust me. I think the listeners of this show are very familiar with the X card. We bring it up pretty regularly. Well, yeah, yeah, I pissed off if, Brendan if, if, enough that he talked about it. Go, 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 <laughs> go, go ahead and lay, lay, lay that on one more time. We got. So the X card allow basically... It's we're suggesting you use it. We're not mandatory. Yeah, we're we're going to be updating the website. We're we're going to it was listed as mandatory. We're going to be making it strongly suggested. And it allows a group that doesn't necessarily know each other to kind of play. I feel like play more like friends because one of the problems like I've seen is like you're at a con game and you just don't you know you don't know what's going to set somebody off. Yeah, this is this happen. is a problem. And if you're playing with a game with me, yeah, that's. Gonna- oh, I mean, obviously, I mean. Yeah, so I, I, what you're going to lean towards here, I think, is that a lot of people that I've talked to, I've, I've got two different opinions on it. One is that they feel like it limits them very severely. They're like, oh, but it means that I can't do anything because everybody's going to be stopping my game. I can say that the only time I've ever actually had the X card used in a game, I had to use it. A player did something very dark in a world of darkness game. So so I had I had accidentally set <laughs> you're, up a you're situation. You're the GM in this situation. Yeah, I was the GM uh, at Gen Con, and I had set up a completely unintentional situation. I was playing Hunter the Vigil, and my game was a little bit different. It was the, the hunters themselves were uh, peacekeepers in the city. They weren't uh-huh. necessarily hunting the monsters. They were there to keep the balance of the various powers That's and, interesting. and factions I like in that. check. So I had these six really strong characters that I thought were really cool, integral to the story, good to go. And then I had these two throwaway characters, the boxer and the priest. You know, <laughs> every every World of Darkness game needs a priest. Every world, you know, and it's, I didn't realize there was such a demand out there for the bruiser. But this one guy went insane over the bruiser. So both of those characters got picked out of the packet, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. So they they find a uh, uh, young werewolf pup. And the meta knew what was going on and they knew that they needed to get information. So everybody failed their roles for persuasion. Everybody failed their, their roles for uh, empathy. And the boxer says, well, I'm going to do what the boxer does. I'm going to beat the shit out of it. So he starts punching this puppy and it's like, Oh, well this is okay. And he rolled once and puppy resisted. So he punched him again. Puppy went to sleep and puppy woke up and the priest character says, "Well, hang on. I've got this I've got this empathy skill." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're the you're the defrocked Catholic priest and so you've got this empathy skill." And he says, "Well, can I get a tag specialty?" And I said, "Yeah. What do you want it to be?" He's like, "I want it to be in kids." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, like Sunday school teacher." And he's oh, like, God. "Yeah, like Sunday school teacher with a big <laughs> shitty bean grin." And all of us kind of stopped and I was like, "Okay, what are you going to do?" He says, I'm going to tell him to come over here and sit on my lap. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Puh! X card. Oh, my God. (laughs) I said, we're just going to pretend that we know what happened. You're going to go ahead and roll for that. Okay, you succeeded. Fantastic. We're not going to discuss this anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so the X card, you know... on the flip side, it, it really frees you up. It's it's a tool that allows you to push your story. As a GM, you can do things more out of the pale, more beyond what people are comfortable with because they have an out. It gives them a way to step yeah. back and say, hey, you know, I see where you're going, but I'm not cool with this. So We had a really good discussion about this last week, too. I think. Yeah. Um, so, like, I know you were, you were, Brendan was a little, little hesitant on the X card, but 
<clears throat> so, A, I am probably singularly one of the most offensive people you'll ever meet. Like, as bad as I am on I this I will attest mic, to that. As bad as I am on this <laughs> mic, in real life, I am way worse. Like, I, I am a walking arrestor. I can't even look at you. You disgust yeah, me. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bad. <laughs> um, so, I like running really dark and gritty and, and, and gruesome games, and I like exploring a lot of, you know, a lot of different things. Um, the X card for me, the way the, the reason I made it mandatory for Crit Hit is because <clears throat> there's two parts of it, I think to the to to an X card, um, and and I was talking about this like I I mentioned it during during Crit Hit, and I'm going to push it again a little bit more this year so people really understand why it's a good thing. The first part of using it, so the X card does what it does, what we just talked about, where you tap the X card, you stop talking about it immediately, you don't need an excuse, you just stop. Now. There's another component that I added to Crit Hit that I think is equally as important to that. And that's like the full disclosure. Like, hey, if you sit down, okay, you're going to play Call of Cthulhu with me. Well, guess what? There's going to be uh, a lot of really gruesome scenes, a lot of descriptive things of death and dismemberment. There's going to be some sexual horror in it. And at that point, you are like, if, and this is what's going to be in my game. There's going to be some monsters. There's going to be a lot of tentacles. And you can kind of figure out how this is going to go. If you want to tap out now, you might want to go find another game. But if you do stay, then there's still a secondary relief valve. There's still that secondary measure of like, nope, I've had enough. And that's the X card. And so I think the, the, the key there is that disclosure in the beginning, like this is what you're getting into. If you're still cool with this, we're going to play. But just in case there's an X card to sort of like, uh, uh, you know, stop the creep factor from, from coming into it. Yeah. And I, I really, uh, when we talked about it last week, I really just, uh, really love the full disclosure at the beginning. And with Arizona game fair, we've got a rating system. Your games are going to be PG, which means that little kids can come in and play PG 13 rated R, you know, it's going to offend some people inevitably. And then there will be NC 17 type games. So, uh, be aware that when you're signing up for games, you're looking at the games. If you get an NC 17 rated game, that's gonna be challenging there there may be some things to challenge but bear in mind also that we are in a small enclosed room and as much as we can we're gonna try to keep the nc17 games on one corner and the pg games on the other yeah so don't don't be you know yelling about dicks or anything on that. <laughs> that's half of my game right there. <sighs> man i'm uh i'm i have plans to run um beneath the inverted church for those who are curious about that um if um Justin doesn't have the. Uh, I call dibs. <laughs> well, if Justin I call dibs on John Wick, so if we can get him, <laughs> so it's fine. If Justin doesn't have the actual copies of the book out by that point, he says he's going to deliver in November. Um, I have the advanced copy, and I'll run the advanced copy for that. And then the other one that I want to run is um, Carcosa, which I don't know if you guys have taken a look at that, but it's just like this, like un. I mean, it's it's so twisted. It's just such an unbelievably twisted book. It, it, it it's a it's a campaign. It's a setting, and it's a rules set all together. You need the you need an engine to run it, and I'm gonna use Lamentations of the Flame Princess because it's you know I love Lamentations, but um I'll also be using Lamentations as the engine for uh, Beneath, but um. I mean, it's just it's just so foul and so weird. <laughs> I mean, it's just my it's it's very it's very trippy. It's a very very trippy book. So um, so I'll be I'll be running that and uh, with with definitely using the X card because those games, both of those games, are just like you. I mean, uh, you need to have consent to sit at the table. You know what I'm saying? Uh, absolutely. Right. And I mean, just I'm I'm talking to you, East. 
people in East Coast, on the East Coast in Canada, all you know, your listeners outside of Arizona. Like if you don't understand how nice it is in Arizona in January, like the fact that you could get up and like, you know what? Screw this. We're going to go outside. We're literally going to have a patio off of where we're at. If it's nice enough outside, we're going to have tables outside. You could say, I'm going to run inverted church outside at night. Oh, wow. Wow, because we're going to be, gonna be we're going to be open for that we're going to be out, outdoors at 11 you know we're going to be cl- closing the room at like 11 o'clock so you could play in january from like you know yeah, four o'clock to, yeah. so think about that for your dark game is like, oh shit could, that's like, actually really killer C- candlelight yeah like candlelight just Candle- really just fucking because because i mean nothing makes a horror game come to life like candlelight oh yeah you know it's just and then and, and darkness and then really arizona in the winter is when you get to play all those great games because it's too fucking hot in the summer you know it's just <laughs> too you bright <laughs> you can't you can't play by candlelight in the summer because you use I me mean, you the air conditioner is blowing you're, you're you can hear your electricity bill going up <laughs> while you're trying to play this fucking game it is uh it's brutal so 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 winter is the time to do it to get out of our systems for sure. Yep yep yep. Are you guys running? What do you guys? Are you guys? Are you, are you guys moderating? We're we're gonna we're gonna wait and see how many signups we get. Uh, I'd love to run some of the World of Darkness stuff. Uh, I've got some really good ideas uh, to flesh out for some new games. Uh, I've I've just I, I've been on an idea binge lately. Everything I look at and everything I touch just says make another game. Did you I, I did so what, much. What, what the Arizona Game Fair is? Like What's that? Quick description of what it was. Oh, okay. So yeah. Arizona Game Fair is the brainchild of Andrew Long. I'm uh, calling you out, Andrew. He Long. Uh, <laughs> he had this fantastic idea to do an open board game event. So a lot of a lot of people had some confusion over what open gaming means. It means that we're going to have a bunch of tables, a lot of tables, in an open space area. That you can come with your friends, sit down at a table, and play whatever you want to play. Whether that's role-playing games, miniatures games, uh, board games. We're going to have a library of board games available. A very well-curated and modern library of games. It's like 600 in, the, that's, in that That's the number I'm hearing, games. like 550, 600 games. And not not just like a million versions of Monopoly or Clue. These are some, some of the newest and hottest stuff coming out of SN. Uh, so you can show up. Uh, we haven't. I'm not sure what the system is going to be, but you're going to be able to borrow the games, take them to the table, and play them. Uh, whether you want to put together a uh, pickup group at the site or plan ahead and have your friends come out to try something, you can try before you buy on a lot of the latest and greatest, hottest titles. Nice. Um, anybody who wants to come out and run something, we've had some curiosity about people who want to come out and run like miniatures tournaments. If you want to, bring your stuff. Come out and run. Oh, that would be so, killer. That would be so great if somebody did. Somebody rise to that challenge because I want to play miniatures games. Yeah, so uh, lots of lots of great stuff, and it's it's a free for all. And we've got a small vendor area. We're gonna have ten or twelve different booths for oh, vendors. Oh, interesting! Really, so I did not, not know that. Not not super vendor focused, but it is gonna be available. There are there. So if you're a vendor and you want need to sell something, and there's gonna be one really fucking awesome vendor there. I'm telling you, one amazing vendor. You have to get in on what they're what they're pushing in Pedlin. Does his name start with a J? It does start with a J. Ah. J J Miller. So that's gonna be like that's right at the obvious. beginning of the Kickstarter launch for Crit Hit 2017. Plug plug plug. So if you're at Aaron Arizona Game Fair, which you definitely should go to, then you should definitely stop by the booth and and check out what I'm going to be slinging there for uh, for Crit Hit 2017. Rock on! So yeah, we've got we've got a small selection of vendors. We've got the open board gaming area. We're going to have some scheduled RPG gaming uh, for RPGs. We're trying to get some of the uh, 
some of the high muckety mucks of the gaming world. Like I said, yeah. we got Ben Warner. We've sent some invites out to John Wick and uh, Onyx Path people and White Wolf people. Oh, that would be killing, so man. So we're, we're hoping that the weather will draw them in by the droves and we'll get some really cool people to come out and run games. But uh, So, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a kind of game-complete event. If you are a gamer of any ilk, we're going to have something to cater to you. Wonderful. Now, a friend of mine asked, and I wasn't able to give a clear question on this, if you want to bring your own games, yeah. are, you're able to yes. bring your own games. Yeah. Whatever okay, you want to do. It's we're, we're providing the space. You provide, you know, it's the, the one thing a lot of people I think are lacking, you know, uh, is a good space. I, I used to live in a 1,200-square-foot house that was about a 1,000 square foot of bedroom. So I had a, a tiny little front room that had barely enough room for one of those old Thanksgiving card tables. Yeah. It was difficult to get people out to, to events. Um, so the one thing that, that we're really offering everybody is space. You know, we're, we're not scheduling the tables. You come out and you claim a table, you play, bring all your friends with you. If you want to awesome. play, If you want to play Twilight Imperium from, oh. from open to close... You can totally take a table over and play Twilight Imperium. I'm sure it's going to be in the library because obviously everybody needs a boat anchor in your library. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so Daryl, you are no stranger to the uh, convention game. You, you, you've convention gamed like all over the place. Am That's I right? That's my life now. Yeah. How would you get into gaming, man? Because you say, you keep, you always <laughs> say you say on podcast wrestling, you say reckoning, you say here, you're like, oh, I'm kind of new to this. Like I've been playing for like what like what twenty twenty five years some shit like that long fucking time. How long have you been playing? Oh, you don't want to know. A long time. How long you been playing? Time. Just now twenty years. Oh, okay. how many years? Wow. Yeah. Reagan was president when I started playing. <laughs> <laughs> not that's not a joke. I wish it was. Yeah. <laughs> so so how did you come to this? So so my gaming pedigree started when I was about four and a half years old. I was sitting around my sister. So I had the coolest parents in the world. My sister for her 16th birthday, and I won't say when that was, um, she wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons. Redbox okay. had just come out. This is like the beginning of the beginning. Yeah, this is so, this is quite a while ago. This, this doesn't was, sound like... This, this was a sound, long while ago. It doesn't sound like you just fell into it like last week or anything. So, so uh, my mom, the cool woman that she was... Uh, put together a campaign and ran for my sister and her friends for her 16th birthday. That's and they, amazing. They they tripped out on it. They had a great time. So my sister took over as GM, and her and her friends would sit around in her bedroom playing. Now, me and my brother, as these little four-and-a-half-year-old kids, would always you know jump in, and we want to throw the dice around and stuff like that. And we never got to. So my mom at one point said, okay, I did this for you. You have to do it for, the, for your brothers. You have to involve your brothers in a game. She says, okay. So we sat down and we made a character. Still remember it. Vitrin, the wizard. I, I That's not forever bad remember. Name, dude. No, it's Vitrin, it's it's my handle like it. on a few things. So so I made this kick ass wizard and I had this awesome backstory and we probably spent like you know, it was probably like ten minutes, but as a kid it seemed like two hours just going through the books and looking at all the cool art and stuff, and I was like, Yeah, this rocks. I get to play with my sister and her friends, this is gonna be so cool. <laughs> and her friend Shauna uh GM'd for the game. And in the first five minutes of the game, my brother was eaten by a dragon. Ah. <laughs> and I was, and I quote, banished to the realm of infinite wandering, there to wander for all eternity. <laughs> nice. And at that point, in my like, you know where this four and a half year old mind, I said, fuck gaming. <laughs> I never want to do this again. This, this was awful. You know, it was, it was a big letdown. So I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. 
And then around 1991 or two, a game came out that changed my entire outlook on games. The coolest commercial ever. Hero second Quest. Edition, second edition DVD <laughs> Hero Quest. <laughs> Watching that kid turn into a freaking orc at the end of the Hero Quest commercial, I begged my parents. I said, I have to have this. I don't know how expensive the game was. It was ridiculously expensive, but I got it for Christmas that year. And it was it's basically a dungeon crawl, uh, very light version of Dungeons and Dragons. You've got a character card with four stats on it, but it has miniatures, it has furniture, it had everything that a game needed to have. And Except friends. <laughs> so That one thing that gamers don't have. Me, me and my best bud uh, sat and played that, and we took turns GMing or playing the four available characters. Oh, my God. Uh, all at once, um, and having a good time. Nice. So we eventually evolved into, I went to uh, uh, Powell's Bookstore in Portland. If you've never been there, oh, oh, yeah. it's just wonderful. Is this where you were from, Portland? Yeah, yeah I'm from, from Portland area. So Powell's Bookstore in Portland, I found a second edition D&D Monster Manual. Just a monster manual. Locked in a cabinet. It was already a collector's edition at that point. You know, Somebody was taking good care of it. And I, I used all my allowance to pay for it, mowed lawns for weeks, and went to my buddy's house. I said, we got to play Dungeons and Dragons. And he's like, what's that? And I said, let me explain it to you. It's like Hero Quest, but there's more. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out there was less. There wasn't, you know, miniatures, and there wasn't furniture, and there wasn't a board. But, you know, we we started by rolling the dice, and, and the math was way too hard for our little brains. And so we ended Subtracting up... Subtracting is hard. We ended up just telling stories back and forth. It was, I'm going to do this, and this happens. And then he'd be like, this is what happens next. And so we were dirty hippie gaming at the age of, like, 10 years old. Classic. And after that, it was this, this long drought where I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. I got I, I got into other things. But my sister maintained the hobby. She was the chapter storyteller for the Camarilla up in Portland for a while. And so I got involved in World of Darkness. She played some Shadowrun. I got to make a Shadowrun character once. And, uh, <laughs> Which is usually enough for most people. Your, well, your sister is still like bombing on you. Huh? She was, she was, she was my, my, she kept trying to feed me these little scraps, and these little bits and, and get me into it. And I just couldn't get hooked. So it was about two or three years ago. Uh, my buddy Adam, like best buddy from high school, he's been a part of the wrecking crew for quite a while, him and Josh Maxwell together. And uh, I told him, I said, dude, I want to give it a try. You know, I just I want to want to throw some dice. I want to learn what this is. I have a vague idea. I've been around it forever. I just want to know what it is. And so he invited me out for a game. We played uh, the first real game I played in was Dark Heresy. Oh, wow. Whoa. So that was an interesting start. But I yeah, loved the yeah. character that I made. It was beautiful. It you was know, something wonderful. really light and fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I played a uh, uh, a pink, uh, oh, what's the chaos demon dude? Slanesh. Slanesh, yes. So my parents were Slanesh worshippers, and I'd been taken as a personal token of our, our uh, scum home world. Uh, <laughs> to be like the emperor's plaything, and uh, it was it was terrible and awesome and, and beautiful. I played this super SS Nazi Gestapo by the book guy who ended up just screwing everything up that he did because I, I didn't know, you know. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna steal this bike, and oh, well, I don't have that skill. Well, okay, I already said it. I'm gonna roll for it. Well, I didn't do that, and now they're mad at me. <laughs> so, Jeez, Dark Heresy is really unforgiving in the rules anyway. Even I mean, even if you're like very skilled at something, it's really hard to succeed it. 
anything. Yeah, that's that's what I learned. And so that's kind of where I thought I was like, well, okay, gaming is hard. And so I looked for something new to play and uh can't remember i think it was you was it brought over dungeon world somebody brought up dungeon world to my attention i might have yeah and so uh, it was like one of the first guild of gamers parties i had at the new oh, house yeah, yeah yeah, that was me yeah i was like yeah yeah, yeah. i'm so, getting to this dungeon world game so I, I looked at dungeon world and i'm like oh one book i can do this <laughs> and so i decided i was going to run that uh phoenix comic-con 2014 was coming up and so the guys on the wrecking crew were like hey yeah you know you run once for us and if we like what you do, then you can run at Comic-Con for us. And I'm like, cool. So that was like your third game you ran for yeah. me? Yes. That's, that's the weirdest thing. Isn't wow. that weird? Yes. So, uh, so Richard, had, Richard and I worked together. and Now we do. But yeah, the very first con game I ever ran two years ago was for Richard. And uh, it was really interesting. I, I tried to do this... Uh, was that the Lord of the Rings game? Yeah, that was the oh, Lord of the yeah. Rings game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, wanted to, I wanted to do Lord of the Rings in Dungeon World because I, I came up with this really cool system, and, and feel free to use this. Everybody loves it when I tell them about it, and I'm really proud of this. So Dungeon World uses an experience points. Every time you fail, you get an experience point. Yeah. In a con game, this sucks. Nobody wants experience in a con game. You're not going to get the eight XP you need to level up, and if you level up, you get one extra thing. So not really useful. And I figured... If I run a Lord of the Rings game at a nerd convention, I will get Lord of the Rings nerds at the table. If for no other reason than to tell me that I, as the GM, was fucking up the lore. <laughs> so I was like, all right, all right. So I did a lot of studying. It was it was set in uh, the era where Sauron was still kind of consolidating his power before he was the all-powerful and, and, and everything. And the players were being sent on a quest unbewittingly by Sauron to, to steal this book. And uh, I figured, you know, as much as I'd studied the lore, somebody was going to be correcting me. So instead of experience points, every time they failed, they got a Benny token in the form of an, um, actually, <laughs> that would let them rewrite the story. No matter what it was I threw at them, no matter what it was, I just, I said, if, if you don't like the way the story's going, throw one of those tokens down. Tell me what happens instead. You know, drawing them into that narrative style. Yeah, that yeah. World is. And, uh, oh, it was, it was beautiful. We got to the end of the game. Um, they beat the big bad spiderling thing that was guarding the book. We had this one new guy who came by and he was, I literally grabbed him out of the hallway. I needed another player. Richard showed up at the table with a Dungeon World <laughs> book and he's like, oh my, I just want to play this. None of my friends will play with me and I want to play it now. And I'm like, oh, I can't let this guy down. And that's really the story of indie gamers. Like, I want to play this game, but nobody else does. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I literally poked my head out of the hallway and I saw this guy walking down. I was like, you, have you ever role played before? No. I said, you're my guy. Come sit down here. And he turned out to be really freaking awesome. Um, throughout the whole game, he kept holding on to the one um, actually token that he had. And he had a lot of situations where he was failing, getting beat up, the spider had sunk its fangs into his shoulder, and I'm like, dude, rewrite it. And he's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, oh, he just doesn't get it. So here we are epilogging. Uh, each character gets to ask for a boon from Sauron. You know, what, what do you want in return for this epic quest? And was it you or was it the other guy? One of the players was a thief. And oh, I was the thief. You were the thief. So you'd asked for a, a wagon full of gold. Yeah, basically I was like, I have no other narrative thing here. Just give me just giant wealth. I'll go yeah. build a country somewhere. So so he says, yeah. So he gets this, this giant cart full of gold to take back to his hometown. And uh, the uh, the other guy is like, I, I want a spear that will kill anything. 
anything that I pointed at, it just dies. And I'm like, before at the end of the game, I don't care. This sounds cool. So I give him the spear, they'll kill anything. And I say, all right, and off you go. And Richard goes back to his hometown, and he's the savior of everything. And the guy throws his token on the table with a very audible clunk. I was like, what's up? And he says, um, actually, on the way back, I killed him. I took the gold, and I have the spear, and now I have everything. <laughs> I was like, Oh, yeah. And roll credits. Awesome. <laughs> well, I, I think he based that entirely off his alignment because he picked evil alignment, you know, because that's one of the few things. So he's like, oh, I must, he must do something like really bad. Or there was some kind of description. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and like he hadn't done anything the whole game. <laughs> So he, he he went. He's role playing. He, he had, had to do it. Like, use the role play. He had to play his lineman. Gosh, his hands I, were tied. I had a chip left. Like I had one left, and I was like, nah. No, nah, it's too perfect. It's too. It's too awesome. I'll just. I like, wonder if he ever gamed again. You know, he yeah. he actually contacted me several times to come out and game with us, and never never made it out because I was excited. I wanted to see what he was going to do next. Yeah. He did come back for a second game the next day. And he's like, can I play the same character? And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, now we're in a totally different world, but whatever. It's cool. <laughs> and he says, can I have the spear? And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And he says, can I kill the other players with it? And I said, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's like the beginning of a, just like every vampire, yeah. every vampire player ever. Wait a minute. I can attack the other players? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Actually, the game sort of incentivizes that greatly. <laughs> yeah, so so that's the brief history of my gaming. I've been doing a lot of conventions over the last two years. I did Crit Hit. I did Gen, uh, Gen Con this year for the first time. Wow. That was brutal. That's a pretty amazing like, experience. It's like the biggest Gen Con ever, too, right? Uh, 70,000 people. That's oh. insane. It was, and it's as packed as it sounds. It was pretty awesome. Wow. Uh, I highly recommend everybody go to Gen Con once. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would do several things different, like I might sleep or eat occasionally. Yeah, I remember but, you were posting uh, on Facebook. You're like, I feel myself coming down with a cold. <laughs> oh, good <laughs> Lord. Yeah, the con crud. The con crud is real. And I, I had the most surreal moment there. I had a player from Arizona. I didn't know he was coming to Gen Con. At first, I'd run into yeah, Richard totally. there. Yeah, was and there. I was like, man, I go halfway around the world, and here's Richard. <laughs> and I ran into a couple other people that recognized me from the podcast. And I'm like, oh, I'm a star. I feel so cool. Man. <laughs> nice. People know me. And so the last night, I decided I wasn't going back to the hotel. I was like, yeah, we're just, we're just going to stay here at the convention hall. Then I'll go straight to the airport in the morning. But I need a nap. So I laid down, and I closed my eyes. And I feel this guy nudging me with his foot. And I'm like, oh jerkwad and I open my eyes and this guy he, he comes out and plays Malifaux once in a while with us and he's he just a, some people are kind of odd like they, sure. they put you a little un they make you uneasy yeah this guy had that feeling and the feeling of opening my eyes in Indiana <laughs> to this guy <laughs> holding a box and going I bought Malifaux and I'm like <laughs> What is going on here? <laughs> I was watching you breathe. <laughs> but it was it was a cool experience. That sounds that sounds so terrible. So, oh jeez. So yeah, here I am 2 years later um, still technically the new BGM, I guess. I, I'm eventually going to have to give well, up that Well, eventually, title. someday, you'll have a new guy join. Exactly. And then you can begin passing it on down to him, which is why you need to go out and recruit somebody to join. Exactly. You well, know. see, I'm, I'm a, my, my son has started to play now. I had started them on Dungeon World a couple years ago, and him and his friends have started to play Dungeons & Dragons 3rd Edition. So oh, that's, that's a I cool think, edition. I love that edition. Yeah, when he, I, I said anything but fourth, man. Uh, <laughs> As a good parent does. Um, 
So, <laughs> so I think he's going to get the, the the title next. But uh, it's been fun. So nice, nice. So I went from from hating gaming and swearing it off to being game curious to diving in head first and cracking my head open on the diving board on the way down. That is awesome, dude. That's awesome. I think it's going to be a great event. I'm looking forward to it a great deal. Um, you do a, uh, Richard, you do a gamer happy hour thing, right? Yeah. Uh, like, what is that, once a month? It's it's once a month except for when the day star is too bright and no one wants to go anywhere. So yeah. the summertime, it just it disintegrates. So it, it it's going to have a resurgence. We'll have one at the end of uh, the week before Thanksgiving. I think it's the... Eight, 18 what the friday before thanksgiving will be uh the last one for the year because just december events are very difficult to organize uh jim yes they are Uh, actually i just i actually have something for that we'll talk about that later (laughs) um but it's basically like we always get together and like the point is to play games like i get that but like this was more of a like let's get together and like know each other without trying to force a game onto the situation. So it was it's That's it's, what I love about the event, dude. Because I mean, obviously, dude, I run a fucking role playing podcast. I could talk about fucking role playing games till my jaw fell off. I, and then you add miniatures games into that and it's like I could I could I could fucking talk about gaming until your jaw fell off, you know? Um so I just love an event that I can plan on every month where I just go and meet like-minded people, like GMs and shit, and just talk about the experience of GMing. And I guess there's some, some players there, right? But mostly it's GMs, right? GMs yeah, do yeah, this it thing. Yeah, it seemed to be like the mafia of GMs last time I went. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? We, we had the guy that's starting Games U, and uh, we had... We had- Andrew is there. Uh, Games is going to be a, a shop that's opening up in town yes. in Phoenix, and and it's specifically in uh, is that Gilbert or Chandler yeah, it's in it's Gilbert. Is it Gilbert? Technically yep. Gilbert, yeah. So which super excited about. Yeah, that's going to be real interesting. We'll see. Uh, but basically, the point is just to kind of get together. If a game happens, somebody wants to bring out a game or whatever. I mean, Jim brought Secret Hitler, and he was Hitler, obviously, because clearly, um, clearly. But uh, and that just, was before the game started. <laughs> well, hey yeah, <laughs> but uh, so just to get, get together, network a little bit. Like yeah. you're always looking for more players, and who are the best players? Except for the, the maybe the worst players or GMs. Usually, <laughs> they're either the best or the worst. Yeah, agreed. Um, and so that's really like Andrew started. I feel like his shadow is kind of cast over this entire thing. But yeah, like, <laughs> calling you out, Andrew. Yeah, and and. Uh, he he started, and I've really felt like it was a really good way to, because that's how I met pretty much everybody I know until like last year. Yeah, was from uh, Gamers Happy Hour because it, you you know we we just had all kinds of people like because it was a meetup and there was all kinds of people showing up. So I'm trying to rebuild that idea <coughs> with more of the Facebook. So I'll post on Guild of Gamers and Crit Hit and just kind of blast it out there to the universe. So. I recommend joining if you because it's probably going to be in Boulders and Southern because that's my tip that's my walking bar but like <laughs> um, but join the Crit Hit group or the Guild of Gamers group sure because um, they're awesome groups first of all and second of all like that's where you're going to get to know people and 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 really network and find those other players that you're looking for because it <laughs> and uh so that's it boulders on southern which is in mesa right mm-hmm. and it's on like essentially like the third friday yeah this is about it, when you, when you do it this, this and time. um 
Yeah, and that's a great, that's a great, if you're in the Phoenix metro area, you want to hang out with some like-minded people, that's a great event. You should come down, you should um, wire into that network a little bit. Uh, Arizona Game Fair mm-hmm. is January 21st and 22nd, right? Mm-hmm. 2017. Um, registration is open now. Registration is open now if you go to ArizonaGameFair.com. And if you have and a game idea, please uh you can post it up on there. Yep, so. there's a GM submissions page. It's got the guidelines for submitting. It's got an easy-to-fill Google form, so very easy. no, no questions uh, that are too hard to answer. Wonderful, wonderful. And then there's, there's always new Crit Hit stuff coming up. There is, yeah, actually. Uh, I'll announce it here. Uh, I just uh, got the date nailed down with uh, Darren from Imperial Outpost. So there's going to be Crit Hit Sleigh Bells on December 3rd, which is a Saturday. And that's going to be a fundraising event. So it's going to be kind of one of those things where you bring a toy and uh, and you get like re-rolls and special bennies. And then um, Darren's going to help out by selling re-roll tickets, which we're going to take all that money and then donate it to um, probably, uh, I'm, tr- I'm still researching charities, but I'm really leaning towards uh, Toys for Tots right now. So it, that's the big thing is it's going to be uh Board games, role-playing games, um, anything pretty much that, that I can get somebody to run as a charity event um, over at Imperial Outpost, which is a really cool game shop that's uh, pretty much centrally located in Phoenix. Well, uh, faithful listeners, uh, the time grows nigh yet again uh, for us to part ways, but worry not. we got a Shadow Sworn Radio Hour coming up for you guys next week. Um, if you have not had your fill of Full Metal RPG, there are many, many ways to interact with us. How can uh, I interact with Full Metal RPG? I'm glad you asked, Jim. Um, we, of course, we maintain our Facebook presence, Full Metal RPG on Facebook. Um, the number one best way to get a hold of me slash us is at Full Metal RPG on Instagram, which I patrol regularly, and much to the chagrin of the people who I'm trying to interact with socially around me. We are on Twitter. You can see my hilarious, quote-unquote, musings on uh, Twitter as well. That's Full Metal RPG on Twitter. And then if you need to, if you absolutely must get a hold of me and send me lots of information, the, the 140 characters or the little instant messenger thing on, on Instagram will not uh, accommodate, uh, go ahead and give me a, a, a text at... Uh, Full Metal RPG official at gmail.com. Um, we also have our own web page, man. FullMetalRPG.com. You can go on there and you can read the writings of Shadow Sworn Adam and Full Metal Ben. And <coughs> Adam is up my ass, man. He's like, you need to write something for the web page. So this November, there's going to be eight things posted by Brendan. It's going to be fucking on there. Uh, yeah, right? That's quite a bit. It really does help us quite a bit. And I cannot overstate this. Uh, when we get a review, or a five-star rating on iTunes. If you would take the time and please uh, go over to your iTunes player. I know a lot of people don't use this stuff much anymore. I know it can seem you might have to dig up your old password or whatever. But if you can take a minute and you can give us a five-star review, uh, write down something nice about the show, or write down something just completely surreal and bass backwards about the show, that's also fine. Uh, if you really just don't feel like, man, that's just not a fucking five-star show, Give me, drop me a line at Full Metal RPG official. Just be like, Brendan, why is there that dog barking in the background? It's fucking ridiculous and distracting. <laughs> Make that fucking dog shut up. Let me tell you, listener, I'm doing it. It's, su- it's you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm right I'm, underneath that post. Be like, more dog. I'm you know, more dog. Like, more yeah, dog. That, that dog is. He's the best part of the show. He's got to have highlight. Anyway, that's all the different ways you can interact with us. I'd like to thank my guests. I'd like to thank Jim. I'd like to thank Richard. I'd like to thank Daryl. 
and then give another shout out one more time to Arizona uh, uh, Game Fair and to Podcast The Reckoning and to the Wrecking Crew and to Crit Hit, to Gamer Happy Hour. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming over tonight. I really appreciate you. Thank you very much. Party time. And thank you, listeners. We love you always. Thank you. Have a great night.